Namaste. Welcome to Call and Response Podcasts with Krishnadas, where he shares meaningful stories of his life on the path, of his Guru Maharaji, and integrating spiritual practice into our everyday lives. Call and Response Podcasts is an offering of the Kirtanmala Foundation. The foundation is dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba, a great spiritual teacher of India. If you are interested in supporting this podcast and the work of the foundation, please visit kirtanwalafoundation.org, K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org. So practice, you got to do practice, I'm sorry, you just have to. With our eyes open and our hearts open. But through a practice, you're, you're, you get used to coming back from being gone. It's more like an ability to let go. St. John of the Cross wrote, In the beginning, the Father uttered one word. That word is his Son. And he utters him forever in everlasting silence. And it is in silence that the heart must hear. The father uttered one word. That word is his son. And he utters him forever in everlasting silence. And it's in silence that the heart must hear. Good morning. <laughs> you wanna you wanna take some questions? Okay. You wanna do a little questions first? Or you questions? Wanna, questions and answers. Questions sure, answers. Well you wanna read something you first? Wanna, you you answer this one. Later. You wanna read this? Maybe, yeah. What? Now? You want me to read? Sure. So, <laughs> what? What? 
So this, uh, you know, we've been talking a little bit about devotion and how that's, uh, it lubricates the connection to, the, to our true nature. It makes it, it helps us access that place. It was what, what, what you love, we will, what we love, we will think about. It will be with us. And uh, so there was a very great yogi in Tibet named Shabkar, who was also, he used to sing these songs of teaching songs. And this is a poem or song that he wrote. He said, I was in retreat one day at noon when the sky was clear. I walked to the summit of the hill above my cave, and I sat there alone. Toward the north, I saw a pure white cloud billowing over a mountain peak, like milk boiling over. At that moment, the memory of my precious guru overwhelmed me, and I sang this song of longing. To the north, a single white cloud surges over mountain peaks, white as overflowing milk. When I see this, I think of my guru's kindness. Beneath that distant cloud rise the solitary heights of auspicious hermitage. The way my master once lived in that excellent retreat place comes back to my mind. When I think of his kindness, tears well up in my eyes and sorrow in my heart. My mind is dazed, my perception uncertain. All is hazy and unreal. How wonderful if he were here again. I am but an ordinary man, a man with scant devotion but I still long to meet him once again. The master dwells now in absolute space, and his miserable son is left behind in the mire of samsara. When I see the myriad flowers blooming in the meadows, I remember the sight of my true guru. Then I could see him in person, inspired, now I can't. As I think of him over and over again, the Master's presence fills my heart. As I listen to the cuckoo's gentle call, I remember hearing the true Guru's voice, the Satguru's voice, so deep and sonorous. Then I can listen to his melodious speech. Now I can't. I think of him over and over again, and the Master's presence fills my heart. As I see the rising sun spreading radiance all around, I remember the Satguru's wisdom and compassion. Then he tenderly cared for me. Now that time is gone. As I think of him over and over again, 
The Master's presence fills my heart. I remember going to see him, having been away for months or years. The warmth of his welcoming smile comes back to my mind. No matter in what direction I go, I think of the Master. No matter in what solitary place I stay, I think of the Master. No matter what signs I see, I think of the Master. Always and at all times, I think of my true Guru. As I sang this plaintive song, the cloud continued to swell until it took the form of a heap of jewels. At the top, in a tent of five colored rainbow lights, my true guru appeared, performing a graceful dance, his hands in the gesture of protection. He was more resplendent than ever, peerless in loving kindness. He smiled radiantly and spoke these words in a voice like Brahma's. Noble son, you who are like my heart, do not despair. Listen to your father's words. We, father and son, who came together by the power of past prayers, are inseparable in the state of luminous absolute nature. Son, from now on, let the length of your practice be the length of your life. Wander from place to place in solitary mountain retreats. By practicing austerities, may you help all fortunate beings. Don't be sad. Look at the mind that feels sadness. The guru is not other than the mind. It is the mind that remembers the guru. It is the mind into which the guru dissolves. Remain in uncontrived nature of mind, the absolute. With airy and graceful movements, as though dancing, he rose higher and higher until he vanished like a rainbow into the sky. The clouds too disappeared and dissolved in space, and my grief dissolved along with them. I remained for a long while in a serene state beyond thought. Don't be sad. Look at the mind that feels the sadness. The guru is not other than the mind. It is the mind that remembers the guru. It is the mind into which the guru dissolves. I once asked Siddhima, who was Maharaji's great devotee, I, 
there's this ongoing issue of whether it's all grace or whether it's all effort, personal effort, and how the two relate. I said, Ma, what's the deal? <laughs> she said, it's all grace, but you have to act like it isn't. <laughs> yep. The understanding that it's all done, nothing ever happened, nothing's ever gonna happen. Finished, hogya, katam, bus, finished. But we don't know that. So we have to act and do our stuff, our performing. <laughs> he doesn't like practice. My root guru was not the Dalai Lama, actually. My root guru was Kishi Wangyal, a Tenimete, who was a Kalmyk Mongolian. And uh, he was very proud of the fact that although he was Mongolian, he was European. European? Because Kalmykia is on the west of the Ural Mountains. <laughs> it's in the north of the Black Sea and uh -huh. Caspian, north of the Caucasus. Mm -hmm. And uh, Golden Horde uh, settled there, um, you know, centuries ago, many centuries ago, seven, eight centuries ago. And uh, he, his teacher was a Buryat Mongol from, from Lake Baikal, uh, who helped him escape from, from there at the time of the Russian Revolution. Mm -hmm. And uh, got him to Tibet, and he spent 30 years there and passed all the, you know, did whatever, you know. And then he left there way ahead of the, in the 40s, even the 30s, he left there, he, he knew what was coming in Tibet. And he lived in China and everywhere, you know. He came here in the 50s. And um, I had just been uh, one year going to India. I met many Sufi masters, I met uh, Swamis, I met, uh, Christian monks in Greece and Mount Athos, and I was looking for a guru. And, um, and I, had, I did meet some Tibetans finally in, in India, in Delhi, and was about to, I had, a, I had a job, I would have been in the school where, the young Lama school where Trungpa was studying and all those different Lamas. But then my father died in New York, so my physical father, and so I came back to New York for two weeks for the funeral with a return ticket to Delhi because I had left the U.S. definitively. But then um, two days or three days before returning, I um, saw a sign in a Zen center in, in the city uh, about some lama who had a monastery in New Jersey, you know, and I'm a New York, Manhattan, New Yorker, like New Jersey. <laughs> some lama in New Jersey down near, uh, you know, um, Bruce Springsteen's area in the Pine Barrens, and um, he was looking for English teacher. But, but he had some, uh, he had some young lamas there, this kind of thing. So I thought, well, I'll go there, and maybe they'll want to send a package because I've been traveling in Asia for a year yeah. as a fakir, you know, as a penniless beggar. And um, 
And so I'll go say hello there, give me contacts back in Delhi. I had a job already in Dalhousie in the, yeah. in the school. Oh, in school. So I was going back there. So when I met this man, when I got to the place, I, a friend of mine drove me, because at the time I was a complete fakir still in America. I had baggy Afghani pants. Mm -hmm. I had a weird beard. A weird I didn't beard. wear my full thigh, you know, I just yeah. had the socket. Oh, Jesus. And uh, I had long hair. I was like, you know, I was, uh, I was seeking. I used to look at the sun, actually, with the eye, actually. Oh, wow. With the one I had left, I looked at the sun. Mm -hmm. I was really in that ascetic thing, like imitating Buddha, you know, foolishly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so there, there I, I, when I, we got to this, we, we looked for, all over for this place and couldn't find it. But finally, one little tract house next to a Russian Orthodox church in this place, they had a little deer and a wheel of Dharma painted on plywood over the door. So we, mm -hmm. ah, that must be it. Mm -hmm. But then I was terrified. I said, let's go, go. We're not going in there. And he said, what? You, I've been driving you all over. This guy was like some dropout from Yale or something. I've been driving you all over. And now you say, let's go. We found the place. What's the matter with you? And I said, my guru's in there. There's some powerful person there. I'm still smoking BDs. I'm not going in. <laughs> I'll come back later. Let's like, leave, leave, leave. I was, I was panicked. I, uh -huh. I, I was completely inside out. Mm -hmm. I, I was totally freaked out. Wow. And then these little young llamas came toddling out of the door and down to the little fence in that kind of yard that you have in that kind of house. And they were like, yeah, they come in. You know. He got out and I was, no, no, I'm not going. And then, and then I was embarrassed, so then I went in, right? Uh -huh. So then we go and we're sitting in this like living room of this little house and there's a Buddha over in the corner, some books, Tibetan books. And we sit down and I'm so nervous and I think there's some guy on a dragon in the back room, like. Uh -huh like the Lama of all time or something. I couldn't believe it. I was so terrified, speechless. And this little guy comes in with like a kimono, not wearing a Tibetan robe or anything. And he sits down next to my friend, between, my friend is between him and me, and he says, what do you guys want? What are you doing? And he says, blah, blah, and something. And they're talking, you know. And he goes, oh, I see him. He says, you know. And then he moves over here in front of a plate glass window. This little guy, and I, I paid no attention to him. I thought he was the secretary or the sweeper. <laughs> there was nothing. The power was in the back room. So I was not paying attention. Then he sits over there behind, with the window behind him, and then I realized, oh, whoops, this is the guy, you know. <laughs> whoops. And then, I, and then he says, well, what do you want? He says, and I was like, I, and I, You know, I've been bullshitting my way through Sufi tekkas and swamis. And I want to get enlightened. And yeah, 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 yeah. So, and, and then I said, well, maybe, you know, finally I come up, I'm sort of looking for higher self. And then he says, he says, oh, he says, oh, you'll never manage that. He said, <laughs> he said he said, you couldn't have even come from New York City to here unless your friend had driven you. The way you looked, they would have arrested you, he said. <laughs> he said, you look like crazy boy, he said. <laughs> he said, I'm only, what would you be doing? You know, higher, that's a difficult path, you know. He a little bit goes on, and then he says, like, I've been looking for years, I didn't find it, he goes. Like, he said. Yeah, he said. I've been looking for years and I didn't find yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't find it. You, know, you, can never, you don't, can't even go from New York to New Jersey. He said. <laughs> and, uh, 
I'm like, yeah, you know. And, uh, and so this goes on, you know. And then finally, he, you know, he had pity on me, and he said, "Well, you know what? I tell, I'll tell you what." He says, "See those books over there?" He says, and I said, "Yeah." I didn't even know what a Tibetan book really was. I'd seen a few, but I, but I just started my quest in India. And I said, yeah, yeah, okay, you're right, turn books. He says, well, you know, he says, I didn't find anything myself. He says, just like ordinary, but, but I've been reading those for many years, he said. And I have a feeling if you got to where you could read them, you might find something, you know. You know. But, you know, you're going back to India and you have your ticket, you know, because, you know, he did extract it from his story. Mm. And so that's okay. But, you know, when you get there, find books like that and learn to read them and something like that, you know. And then, and that was sort of the end of the interview. And then he brought out a piece of uh, Sarah, whatever it is, pie, you know, and tea. And, 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 we, and he sent us off to leave, you know. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm staying here. I'm going to read those books. I'm going to learn from you. No, no, no. You have a ticket. You have to go. No, no. I'm not leaving. You have to go. You can't stay here. This is a monastery, he said. He said no. Well, okay. All right. I'm going to go. I'll be back in two days. And, and so then we were, I'm backing off down the stairs, the concrete stairs. He's standing on top of the stairs. And my friend says to me, he says, Come on, let's go. What's the matter with you? And I said, I'm, and I'm staying. I'm coming back. I'm coming right back. I said, I was just shouting there. And then he says, well, what, what's so special about him? What, what are, you, what are, you, what are you going back to India? And Dalai Lama, you know. Like and I said, no, 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 no. Says, That's my teacher. I said to him. He says, well, what makes you think so? And I said, well, because I can trust him because he's not there. Ooh. But I didn't even know what that meant. Uh -huh. But that was right. Right, yeah. In the sense that he had no agenda for me. Right. And therefore he, he could help me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And in and day after the day after tomorrow I'm back, shaved, jeans, t shirt, you know, like brushed, eye patch. Thank God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and, then, and then he found me there. He found me a place to stay, you know, with some Mongolian family in this little refugee colony created by Tolstoy's granddaughter, you know. Yeah. Save, save those Kalmyks yeah, yeah, yeah. from the British who were sending them back to Stalin after the war, you know, from yeah. Europe. And anyway, he, but he had come from Tibet and met them there. So then, you know, he started reading me the, you know, he was not a guru, no, no, you can, you can learn to read Tibetan, you know. And then he read me Nagarjuna's book. Mm. And every Tibetan letter was like gold. It was like it would flow right into my heart, you know. Wow. He would read. But he kept skipping the meditation section. <laughs> he was so like that, you know. But he was so kind, you know. Wow. Really, he was kind. Yeah. He, he was. Later, when I met Nina, you know, he he really helped us a lot. Actually, he really did. He he, he and Nina. He and then, uh, you know, at one point when we were having difficulty in our relationship, I looked at her, you know, and she was having a mental vision of him. Huh. And they had like what we call a heart meld. And she, she talked, he talked to her when she was like four, when she was a little child in China. Huh. And he said, you, you, should, you need to like make a connection with that little boy over there. She said there. <laughs> and then when I looked at her, her blue eye turned brown, turned into his eye. Oh. And then somehow there was this thing happened. You know. 
So he was with us. He's been with us all the time. Psychics say he's in our house all the time. Mm. Like that Shabgar. Yeah. Finally, we went to Kalmykia, where he's a national hero. Mm. And because uh, they think he, he's correct, he helped bring the Dalai Lama first to America. He got him out. He got the visa. He helped him get the visa to America. And, uh, and um, uh, someone gave us a portrait of him, very beautiful portrait of him. So we keep that in the house. Mm. Anyway, Geshe Wongyal, Danjile Lutsenimate. Amazing man, really amazing. Yeah. Like that Shankar really hit it there, you know, right? Yeah. He really hit it. Yeah, I know. He really did. And he always used to say, like Shabko did, you know, he says, you, you're my heart, I'm in your heart, you know. Yeah. But you have to do the work, you know. And then he told me, he told me several times, that uh, he would show up to me as a student uh, at the same age that I was and he was. And he said, but he said, I think he said, in that life, I'm going to be a Jewish princess. <laughs> <laughs> He said that? He did. <laughs> he said that. Right, okay, tell that story again. Who showed up when? Uh, well, I met him when I was like 21 and he was yeah. 61. Yeah. And you know, from previous lives, this Shabgar thing made me think of that. I'm uh, sorry to yeah, like, yeah. tell my story. I apologize. But the point is, he made me think, think of that. Yeah. And then he said he would do that. And then uh, he didn't show up, you know, I thought. I had a lot of students, you know, but he didn't show up. I thought so. You know. mm. I was looking at the different Jewish princesses who <laughs> did show up. <laughs> and, uh, and then there's this, there's this young student, one student of mine, uh, who's Australian, a very nice young man, and who was lived with us for a few years recently. Uh, and um, he, uh, he couldn't leave because of this complicated immigration story until he had a certain thing, because otherwise he couldn't come back and this yeah. kind of thing. And he, so he worked with us. And then he met at Menla, a Mongolian Kalmyk girl, who was uh, that age, but, and, who, and they fell in love in a sweat lodge. Yeah. And they, had, they got married and all this. And she was an American citizen, but she was born in Kalmyk, you know, in Russia. And uh, so, you know, I was told the story to her grandmother once they were in our house. And uh, the grandmother said, well, what do you mean he didn't show up? The old Kalmyk grandmother. And I said, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't see his dude like that. And he said, well, what about Delia? I said, my, her, daughter, her granddaughter. Huh. And I said, what do you mean Delia? He said, a Jewish princess. She said, well, Delia's Jewish, she says. I said, no, she's Mongolian, she says. She says, my husband was Russian Jewish. It's the grandmother. Oh. <laughs> Oh. So Delia was a Jewish comic. Oh my Jewish God! <laughs> and then I say, yeah, but she's uh, 25, you know, and she and Jason, you know, and she's really not that much my student. He's my student. So she said, yeah, but she took your class at Columbia when she was 21, and it completely changed her life. She said. Oh wow! And but she never talked to me. I said, well, she's shy. <laughs> and then Delia's having none of it. All right. <laughs> She was, that's my grandma, like, don't listen to that. And she's completely not into it. Mm. So anyway, the way he appeared, he did, I think, he fulfilled it. But then they had to go to Australia because of this immigration crop. Uh -huh. So they're in Australia, but that's okay. Uh. That's all right. He's studying with my, my student. Yeah. She's, I think that might have been it. But I don't know. I don't know. Oh, well. Maybe there's some other Jewish princess who studied with me and ran away after that. 
Mm. Broke, the, broke the tradition. Yeah. 6121. You know, right? Yeah, there aren't a lot of Mongolian Jewish what? princesses. <laughs> what, what there happened? aren't a lot of Mongolian Jewish princesses. <laughs> I, I think. It's very Kalmyk Mongolian. They're a special kind. Durbut, from the Durbut nation. Wow. The Durbuts are a particular one. And he, they, he was born in a place called Sagang Buluk, White Spring, wow. in the middle of this marvelous steppe or north of the Black Sea. The Stalin ruined, of course, ecologically. Mm. Growing too much meat for the Red Army. Anyway, never mind. That's the story. <laughs> so you, 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 you and Guruji, you know, that's what I really, I'm so sad I never met Guruji because of certain complications. But <laughs> I met, I feel I meet him when I meet you. I really do. I really feel, I, I don't necessarily feel that with Ramdas. I, I, I love Ramdas, but I feel I meet Ramdas when I meet Ramdas. <laughs> <laughs> but. And, and you know, Dr. Richard also there. You know. Well, you but, have history but, with But him, you, you, history. you really, I don't know. But, but you, know, you don't think so. I know, I know that. I know. Yeah, you, that's why you're so moved by that poem. Well, Delia and I just don't want to. What? Delia and I just don't want to, you know, get into it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the Kirtan Mala Foundation. Krishnadas is renowned for leading kirtan, the spiritual practice of chanting, and workshops around the world. For more information about him, including upcoming events, please visit krishnadas.com. K-R-I-S-H-N-A-D-A-S.com. We also invite you to visit kirtanwalafoundation.org. K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org. Here you will find more offerings dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba. Love everyone, serve everyone. Remember God. Ram Ram. <laughs>